If you got your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 24. The scripture came on my radar this morning. So as it comes to me, it's coming to you. And it's coming to me and to you, it's coming to us. Let's see where we go from here. Luke chapter 24, picking up at verse, we'll go from verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going to the Father. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. When he was at the table, where was he? He was at the table. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. What's the significance of this? Well, let's read in the next verse. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Whoosh, just like that. He disappeared. You know, in Scripture, we see that Jesus just kind of quickly left the crowd. You're thinking, how did he do that? But here, he disappeared. He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven. There they found the eleven. The eleven, listen to what I'm saying. Therefore they found the eleven and those with him assembled together, saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and he's appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And this morning as I was reading this scripture, I felt it all coming, coming back to me that, that God is wanting in this time for us as a church, he's wanting to open our eyes again. And he's wanting to reveal himself in a whole new measure. But in order to reveal himself, there has to be a transition. There is always a transition to a new day. And every new day brings a new revealing of God over to the people, over the people, and to the house. And it's, it's interesting that in this scripture is that once he offered them bread and they took it, so there was an exchange. Listen to this. This is so critical for for us making this journey what was being offered was reciprocated they took what was being offered and as they ate what was being offered something supernaturally changed them their eyes were open the scriptures became clear to them when they took what was being given to them something, what they took, began to change them. You see, you can hear of a new place, you can hear of a new thing, but, you, but the new thing has to take hold of you so you can come to the new place. It has to enter into you first. It has to enter. Now, how does it enter into you? By me giving you, or whoever it is who's speaking, by them giving you the food and you take that food, that new food that you're 
partaking of instantly begins to take you where that food came from. You see that? See, if we just give you ideas, we give you new uh, self-helps, they don't really keep you or sustain you very long. But when you feed from heaven, and heaven gives you, there's a table set here this morning that you and I are now feeding from. And from this table, there is someone feeding you, but then you eat the food. You eat what's being given, you digest it, you think on those things, you process those things, and you let that, that food enter into your internal system, and from that transaction, you begin to get your portion. Somebody, somebody has to go into the kitchen first. Somebody has to go into the kitchen, get the food ready, and then those who are sitting around the table also have to do their part. The food can be served, but then the people around the table have to have the initiative to eat what's being given and enjoy what's being given. Amen? And here he says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them. So what he himself had, he shared it with them. And what he gave to them and what they received then begin to have an effect upon them. And, it, oh, and then their eyes were opened. The eyes are key. The eyes to our heart. Paul prayed that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, you may come and know the hope that is in Christ Jesus. And that hope comes through this food. Yeah? What you feed on will either close your eyes or open them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning? Wow. So not only their eyes affected, their hearts are burning. Well, he talked with them on the road. So there is something that can be stirred in the heart of man while other men are talking. It can be just rhetoric. It can just be, yeah, 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 yeah. Or if your heart is open to what God really wants, your heart can literally burn while another person is speaking. And in this new journey that we're taking as a church, 2020 and onwards, I'm expecting a lot of eyes to be opened and a lot of hearts to start burning. So that the words that come out of my mouth will become like flaming arrows. So that you can go back into your terrain and you can distinguish whatever's going on. Whatever there's chaos, you can bring order where there is chaos. You can bring discipline where there's indiscipline. You can bring health where there is sickness. You can bring prosperity where there is debt. Amen? You totally re-engineer what's going on in your life and around your life. And uh, I said I started last week talking about the, the, the cultural transition that we are taking as a church and we find ourselves. And as a pastor of the work with elders and, and other people around us, we are being recommissioned. We're being recommissioned to turn the church inside out. And the God of heaven keeps speaking to us 
spoke, he spoke to me again this morning through the prophetic word. Spoke to me in America. Spoke to me in Malaysia. Spoke to me wherever I am. Spoke to me in England. Spoke to me next door. Spoke to me in bed. Do you know, God is speaking. Thank God, God is speaking. And, and God is speaking and he keeps refocusing me back to a recommissioning. Turn the church inside out. And I've called this season Project Putting Troops Back Into Their Boots. Putting troops back into their boots. The one thing the military doesn't want to do is ever put troops back into their boots. They don't want to deploy soldiers on the ground because it's too, one, it's costly, and two, it's also sacrificial. You start losing troops, so we fight the battle from the air. And if we can do, if we can inflict the damage from the air, it saves lives on the ground. Not the lives of your bombing, obviously but of your own soldiers. So the idea is to try and fight an aerial battle so that you can then put your ground troops on and, t- and take the land. Now, there are similarities in the spiritual realm, but not totally. We know prayer is a major, major, major issue. So from an aerial point of view, in that sense, this is the first wave of battle that God is talking to us about, prayer. And... You know, we've all heard the story, Puss in Boots. Yeah, the fairy tale, Puss in Boots. If you've seen the Shrek movies, you know, Puss in Boots is there, Tony Banderas, and the cute little cat. And, you know, the cute little cat was quite vicious when his claws came out. But he had those little eyes that would cause people's defences to move towards him. Well, this isn't that kind of stuff. We're talking about putting... The troops, the saints of God, back to their original calling. Putting people back on the ground, outside, in, in some of the most difficult terrains of life. But in order to do that, you've got to, put, you've got to get them on the feet first. And these boots are made for walking, was the song that was one song. And that's what I'm going to do. One of these days, these boots are going to walk all over you. Do, 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 do. Remember that song? Some of you, the young guns are going, what song's that? Google it. Who was it who sang it, by the way? There you go, you see. Hey? The old uns know that. The OLDs know that song. <laughs> we must put, we must get back to our original armour. We must get, get that armour back on because that arm is given for a specific, unique purpose. And uh, we've got to get back. You don't need to have your armor on in church. But you do need your armor on when you're outside. Amen? So this recommission, this recommission um, culturally means we, are, we have to change the emphasis to from the Beatles, love, love me do, to these boots are going to walk. All over, not you, but they're going to walk. So you can't have Love, Love Me Do every week. Love, Love Me Do is a great season. It's a great song to have. Some of these youngers are going, what are these songs he's talking about? It's the Beatles. Love, love me do. Okay. You know I love you. I guess this is true. So please, love me do. Get the mic. (laughs) Anyway, moving on quickly. This is all part of the rehearsal, this film. This is all part of the rehearsal. Mouth organs. So, 
you know, for quite a long time, we have focused on trying to build a healthy church with healthy people. And that must always be part of our goal to build a healthy church. But not a healthy church according to what you and I think a healthy church looks like, but a healthy church is according to what Scripture teaches. Amen? And a healthy church should be a growing church. It should be a church that focuses and it should be a church that functions. And part of the many, many churches who function, they spend a lot of time, and we got this where we, we got this phrase from, church work. So church work is not necessarily the work of the church. But church work can often mean how we run our meetings, how we visit the people, how we call the people in together, and how, how we minister to them in the presence of God. And all that is so, so important. And all that must continue because that's part of what we do and that's part of who we are. But that's great. That really helps us. But that really doesn't empower us to go and affect other areas of life. So we then need to get into the next uh, batch of focus which is doing the work of the church and when we read in scripture the work of the church was saving the lost raising the dead healing the sick well you say well can't we do that inside church we can do that inside and we have done that to some degree but the lost are not in our church the lost are outside our church and in part there's many lost people inside church so the lost people, when Jesus went to the lost sheep of Israel, they were the internal ones. So there's many lost sheep inside the church. But there are, when we talk about the lost sheep, we're really affecting society. And it's time our church started putting its stamp on its world. Amen? We don't need to make our point, we need to make our mark. And that's a more and more important thing is trying to make your mark rather than make your point. We can't just focus on us, but we need to use us to get to the bigger picture. And while we're doing that, we minister to us. So we minister as we go. We don't minister and keep ministering hoping that we will go. It's a lot easier to minister to people who are going and doing than it is to those you're trying to convince the people to go, but at some point you have to go. At some point you have to go. At some point you need to get your boots on and go and set off. You know, shoes, you know, I'm sure, ladies, you have a lot of shoes. Gents, you have a lot of trainers or shoes. They're no good set in your wardrobe, are they? You bought them so you could wear them. You know those shoes have a purpose. You know you look all swanky in them. You do. You look swanky in your new shoes or your new sneakers or whatever it is. And you know that those things are made for walking. And they're no good just sat in your wardrobe. So much of what we've got in our wardrobe needs thrown away because we no longer use it. And it's just collected. It's an attachment that we've put in our wardrobe. I've just built two new wardrobes at home and realised half of the stuff in there is no longer, doesn't fit me no more. It's shrunk or I've got bigger. And I know which one I like to think. I've got smaller. They've just become discontinued. They'll come back in fashion when I get slimmer. So a healthy church... A healthy church is what Jesus is looking for. He's not looking for a big church. He's not looking for a small church. He's not looking for a medium-sized church. So let's get that out of the way. He's looking for a healthy church. 
a church that he can send, a church that he can move through, a church where when he feeds the people, their eyes are open and their hearts start burning. Not a church where their ears start getting tickled because they hear things, what they want to hear. And there's a difference between a a world's perception of what church should be is one where their ears are tickled from a Christ-centered church where people's eyes are open and their hearts burn. It's a very different kind of church and you have to have a different kind of food to achieve the latter. Amen? So if you take, for instance, what every church needs, and a healthy church is a church that knows how to serve. A church that knows how to serve. Now watch this. Serve what? Well, if we do church work, people will help inside church. So we have very many people who help us serve, like the cup of the cafe, like the music, or whatever, children's, whatever. Right? But the trouble is with that is, that only involves a certain amount of people. That's not all-encompassing. That only gets a certain amount of people involved. If you, can't, if you can't sing or play an instrument, then worship is an area that you're not going to be allowed in. Why? Because the days of the tambourines, hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, he's no longer here. Well, let me just play a tambourine and bang the, the seven sauce out of it. No. Why? Because it's an instrument. It isn't a noise. Or a flag waving. You know, if you're going to bang a tambourine, it's an instrument. And if you don't play it, it knocks the rhythm out. And years ago, everyone was encouraged to bring a tambourine. Well, that was the day before we had all this. And there was a place and a time for the tambourine. Well, you say, well, they had tambourines in the Bible. Yes, that was the Bible. (laughs) Seriously, tambourines have a place. But when people's playing tambourines, it really messes rhythm up. Because not everybody's got rhythm. It's true. So by the very nature of music, I'm just using that as one area. Children's church, if you don't have that gift of working with children, then it's a difficult place for you to be. And so that will only gather a certain amount of people to get involved in that area. So, But we're not looking for that alone. We need those things, and they must continue. We're looking to put every saint... We're looking to turn every saint into a servant. Every servant into a soldier. Every saint, servant, soldier, he will become mature to become a son or a daughter of the living God. We're all saints, but we're not all servants. We're not all servants because it's a gift. We can all serve. Servants are, is a choice. And we serve because our hearts are burning and our eyes have been opened. Now, when we serve in church, we can do it for so many reasons. It can be a great place to get to know people. It can be genuine because you see a need there and you want to help. And that's great. We encourage that because that's one of the things you must serve your own people. You must serve one another. Scripture tells us that, to prefer one another. So we look for ways to serve one another. But that's not the only way. And it's not that as a result of that. And it's not that as a result of this. We serve one another and we serve others beyond us. So we serve those in front of us. We serve those above us. We serve those below us, a younger generation. And we serve those around us. Come on. This is what a standard bearer does. And when Jesus, he said, I came 
to serve you guys. I came to serve you. While I'm on the earth, the Son of Man will serve and he'll pour himself out so that when I go, I have the first wave of saints, servants, soldiers, and sons. And it starts, first of all, by a seed. The seed that is in you, the incorruptible seed that Christ gives us when we become born again. That seed must grow. So when we become born again, we become a seed, a saint, and the seed is inside the life of the saint. Right? So you're now a seed who has become a saint. But then the next requires movement. The next, now to become a servant means you have to take a step forward and put your hands out. Okay? So now you're serving. You're serving in an area. And an area needs focus. It needs purpose. It needs potential. It needs guidelines. It needs so many things. So I now serve. And as I serve, I now stand my ground. And I learn to become mature from that place. And as I show myself competent in that area, I then become a soldier. And my, my mentality is beginning to change. I stand at my post. I hold my ground from my post. Right? And I fight my battles, internal, external, from my place of servant, servanthood. I don't leave my post. In military, you get court-martial for leaving your post. Only Christians swan off and say, I'll be back when I feel better. It's true. Only Christians do that. And I'll get back to you when I'll let you know when I'm ready. Jesus is going, sorry, I thought you was a servant. Well, I am, but not today. Okay, we'll deal with that one later on. So servant, servanthood is one aspect. You cannot be an effective disciple unless you serve. You cannot become a victorious Christian until you become a soldier. And you cannot become a mature son unless you serve and you're a soldier. So this is a, this is a big issue in today's church because we bypass this and we've just chose to come into church and we, have, we enjoy church but we're not become church. Does that make sense? So when he talked with us on the road, where were they? On the road. They were going somewhere. When they talked with us on the road, so talk is important. Talk is the gateway, the key pathway to taking you to the next level. So when he talked to them on the road, he opened scripture to us. So now it's not just talk, now he's showing scripture. Script, all our talk must show scripture. All our talk must reveal Christ. Amen? Now, you're familiar and I'm familiar with an MOT certificate. Everyone who drives a car has to have a certificate showing that your vehicle is roadworthy. Yes? And what happens is, uh, at the end of the, the 12 months, you get a notification. Or sometimes, no, you don't get a notification no more, do you? You are responsible, you are responsible to get your vehicle into that garage, get it on that ramps, get the spotlight, and let the guy... Do forensic analysis on your vehicle. Is that not true? And in that time, you pray. You discover prayer at that point of your MOT. Why? Because you know there's a cost to your MOT. 
And we're all smiling, all those who are smiling, all you're thinking, I hope the prognosis is good. Be, be merciful on me, O oh Lord. Be merciful on me. Why? Because we don't have a lot of money to keep repairing this thing. And you think, well, and then you go, well, I got it through its MOT this year. Woohoo! There's life in the old baby yet. Well, my old baby, Gwendolyn, as I affectionately called her, she's got to the point where the, the emissions are not good. You know, when he puts a stethoscope on the engine, he goes, it's not good. It's not good. How many mums, Doc? We don't know. We can't say at this point in time. But just enjoy while she's here. So you say to, you say to little Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn, sorry, darling, you've served me well. You have served me well. But me and you now are coming to the point where we have to separate. And Gwendolyn's saying, spend money on me. No, you're not worth it. You're not worth it. But I can send you to the scrap, uh, the, the heavenly scrap heap. No, no. So we have this tug, we have this tug, one. I wave goodbye to her, kissed her, I thanked her for her years of service. Because she serviced, she serviced my needs very well. She never broke down on me. Not once. Now that's an apostolic Christian right there. She started, doesn't matter what weather, what condition, what terrain. She started every time. She was giddy. She was eager. And all she said was put petrol. That's all she ever asked of me. Just put petrol in me and I'll run all day long. You know, and she'd gone into the generation. She'd been abused by Scott. She'd been abused by the father-in-law, the first owner. So when I got her, I nurtured her and brought her to my ways. Now, <laughs> now, every year she got a certificate of roadworthiness. I wonder, I wonder, church, I just wonder, if we brought this church into the heavenly garage, are we getting a certificate of worthiness? Is this church healthy enough to get a certificate? And the answer is no. So we're not wondering. I'm giving you the prognosis. And why is the question? Well, I'm glad you asked. And the reason why is because we have not been road tested. We look good in the showroom. We look good in the garage where we wax and buff and polish and where the, the mechanics just do a little bit of changing the tyres and Doing all kinds. We, we fill up your, your water bottle. We, do, we give you a clean every now and then. And that's how many churches are. But that vehicle was always designed to go on the road and take some opposition. You're built for resistance. You're built for potholes. You're built for opposition. You're built for someone hitting at the side, coming in and buffing you at the side. You're built for that kind of stuff. It's a church. Jesus knew. He said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And, the, you know, the demonic kingdom will not overcome it. It's built for robustness. So therefore, the people inside the church must realize that they are built for far more than they have currently experienced. You know, the older you get, your eyes begin to fade. So they tell me. If you drive with my father-in-law, you just pray. It's a prayer drive. He drives and I pray. 
And it's a clear sign that my father-in-law is getting older and older and older. And listen, this, this, watch this. He gets less observant and less patient. And it's everybody's fault. It's everybody's fault. Look at that, Eddie. And the language is colourful. The praise and worship in my father-in-law's car. It's, it's heavily in it, Scott. It's, it's blue. And everyone's to blame other than him. And I say to him, I'll call him Dave, because you, you might not know him. Dave, do you not think you're coming to the end of your driving? I was their fault. Now, well, Dave, you know, you might want to think about this. And so he knows surrendering that license is a big thing. Why? Because it's called freedom. Oh, for freedom I have set you free. So what will you do with your freedom? Do you want to park your freedom in a garage called church? Or do you want your freedom to be road tested? Freedom is not freedom if you're in a garage. Freedom means I can go any place, anywhere, anytime. I can take as many people as I can with me. That's freedom. Now, every time you come into the presence of God... To some degree, God is giving you an MOT health check. Because I stand before the Lord, I expose my heart before God, God can speak to me, so we don't have to wait for a yearly checkup. It's a daily checkup. It's a weekly checkup. It's a monthly checkup. And I need, oh, sorry, not I, sorry, let me replace that. God is looking for a church that passes the MOT. Certificate of Roadworthiness. Can I, take it, can I take you out onto different kinds of terrains? We don't want a front-wheel driven church. We want a four-wheel driven people. A people that can drive off-road, on-road, up, up terrains, down terrains. We don't just want a nice, sweet, flat road church. That's not going to give us the certificate that we need. <laughs> so... And I've been using this phrase for a while now that I believe we're coming to a point in our transition where I've got to transition myself as a leader, watch this, from being a pediatric pastor to a midwife pastor. Now, the pediatric pastor takes care of church health. Their job is to make sure health is a priority. Any dysfunctions, any abnormalities, pediatricians, deal with those kind of areas and much, much more. I'm not doing them any favours here. But the midwife, a midwife, now at the same time, we still have to make sure health is a priority. But we have to go and look at what areas we need to change in order for that health to enlarge. Yes? So now we have to go to the midwife. So we now need to make sure that we bring things to birth. And we need to center on making sure everything that we do brings healthy birth. So we steer by our words, by our prayer, by our prophetic words. We impregnate people by our words. So when you capture it, you conceive through the Spirit. Yeah. So when you conceive through the Spirit, then you begin to carry. Yeah. 
So the midwife recognizes things have been conceived. And the midwife makes sure that the support, because everything that's conceived takes time. But if there has to be a time when of recognition that you're pregnant. You know, it used to say that the, the grandmothers could see just by looking at the daughters, you're pregnant. There's something they could see, they could perceive, they recognize the signs of pregnancy at an early stage just by looking at someone. That's before they had the, the things. They weren't always right, but they could see. But we're not just trying to look at Phil, see if he's pregnant. We must, there must be evidential signs that he's now with child. He's glowing, he's glowing, he's glowing. <laughs> glowing, that's one word for it. So the point is, is if we see John's catching, is, is carrying something and people are carrying, the idea is to make sure, go nurture that so it can come to birth. We have to bring things to birth. We have to stir the pot so that you can get pregnant. We have to stir the pot, so to speak, so that you begin, your eyes are beginning to open, your heart begins to burn, and then you begin to conceive at a new level. Then you begin to carry. And then what you carry, you must learn to bring to birth and care for. And we're in a season, we're in a time and a season as a house where we've got to get to the birth. We've got to, it's time for some of you to carry a burden. It's time for some of you to carry a dream. It's time for some of you to carry a desire. And be responsible enough to birth it. Not just to dream. You know, the first thing about having a dream is at some point you've got to wake up. You can't stay asleep forever. You have to wake up and then the next thing about having a dream is it requires work. Dreams don't come to pass without work. Spell dream W-O-R-K. Work. A dream is just a nice wishful thinking until you put it on the road and you start to work. Well, you've got to get into your boots if you're going to go to work. Back into the boots that we've left at the side and we've exchanged the slippers or whatever other footwear for church. Why? Because what do you do? You take your shoes off when you come inside. And what we've done is we've taken our shoes off as we've come into the sanctuary, but we've forgot to collect the boots and get back in them. Yes? Now, when you look around our church, our church is made up of many different types of people and, and with many different types of ages and different phases in your life. We have the retired we have those who are ready to retire. We have the married couples. We have the young people. We have the children. Now, all these areas have to grow. And every one of those phases is an opportunity for you if your eyes can be open and your hearts can burn. So the retired does not mean you're finished. Retired means you've left one area of employment and now you're free to do what you need to do or want to do. Right? So you're free. In fact, you're free now. You're now free than when you first got married. Your kids have grown up. They're looking after themselves. You're now free. True? Now, if you're just about to retire, if you're just about to retire, you are planning on what you're going to do with your retirement and how you're going to spend it. And, but there are choices. There are choices we make. 
and we work hard to try and get a good retirement so that we can enjoy the rest of our lives, but not doing nothing, because we're Christians, remember? Sitting on a beach forever and ever, amen, it sounds wonderful. And if you're going to run a beach ministry, then I guess that's the place to go. But if you're not running a beach ministry, then the beach probably is not the place where you should be. We still need to serve. We need to find our area to serve. There is no such thing as unemployment in the kingdom. God hates that word unemployment. He saved us for a purpose and there is a work for us to do. So there is no such thing as just wasting the day. You're now free to use the day. Amen? You're free. So go to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, verse 23. This is a word that God spoke to us when we, when we changed the name of the church. We changed the name of the church because God spoke to us. We didn't change the name of the church. And then God spoke to us. God spoke first and our actions then corresponded with what he'd spoken about. Amen? Why? Because we responded to the word that was spoken to us. Actions must respond to what's been spoken first and foremost. So when God opened our eyes, when we tasted the food and God opened our eyes, he told us to go and change the name of the church. Now at first, 10 years for God is nothing. A decade for God is nothing. 10 years of your life is significant. But 10 years of God is is not a problem because God doesn't sit in time. But God uses time. Times and seasons. So when God spoke this word to us, he said, I thank and praise you. This was Daniel concluding what had gone on. He said, I thank and praise you, O God, my fathers. You've given me wisdom and power, and you've made known to me what we asked of you, and you've made known to us the dream of the king. And hence why the name of the church is called the Dream Center. But when God spoke this to us, he said, you will enter a time when you will make the dream of the king known to those beyond you. So for the first 10 years, we changed the name and we, you know, with the Dream Center. And you know, when we were called Bethel Christian Center, nobody ever asked us why you call Bethel. But now we're called the Dream Center. It's amazing how many conversations people ask. What is the Dream Center? Is it a bed shop? Yeah, well, there's a lot of people asleep there. But no, it's not called the, the Dream Center. It's not called, it's not a mattress. It's not where we all lie down and do therapy. On a Sunday morning, it is a church. Ah, and then people go, yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Because we're birthing dreams inside people's lives. The dream of the king. Not just dream you, your dream, but the dream of the king. It's very specific. We're not asking people just to have your own dream. You can go home and line your own bed for that. But the dream of the king is what we're imparting. We're downloading and imparting. Because the dream of the king is what opens our eyes and sets our hearts ablaze. Now, becoming that people is a different phase. Watch this. It's a different phase from God telling you that's what you're going to become and becoming that. Through you, Abraham, many seeds will come. Many seeds will come. So Abraham being told that has to start on the day of beginnings. You have to have the first child. True? Then you have to have a second child. And then it goes on. And slowly but surely, that takes time to unfold 
So Abraham could see the promise spoken to him now begin to materialize and manifest in front of him. True? We are at the stage now as a church where God spoke that, but now it's time to become the dream of the king. You are the dream, you are the dream center, but now you become the revealer of the dream of the king. There are people dreaming, asking questions outside, and they have no answers and no understanding until they see you. And then when they start talking to you casually and you're sensitive to that and you think, hey, here's my opportunity, then you start talking to them. Wisdom trans is a bridge. Wisdom is built and it arcs over into the life of someone who's been asking questions. And you might be sat on a bus, you might be sat on a train, you might be walking the dog, wherever. It's casual, it's, but it's, it's God intended. And as you become brave enough to lean in and, and engage with that person at that time, in that place, in that conversation, it might be two minutes, it might be 20 minutes, as you have that conversation with people, they say, I had a conversation with a lady today and she made more sense. She brought an answer to my life. Never seen this lady before, never met this person, don't know where she is. She was in my life for 20 seconds. That 20 seconds has given me understanding to my torment. All because someone leaned in and was brave enough to have a conversation with someone. That's the stages and steps of someone being the dream of the king to somebody else. Because there are many people with all kinds of issues going on in their life and they've got no answers for it. Some, take it. some are looking for the answers through drink, drugs, relationships, all kinds of things, finance, all kinds of things. And all it takes is for you to arc over into somebody's life and speak to them at the time they needed you to speak. You never just sat next to anybody. You sat, back, you sat next to a person. And if you will just engage with that, with that person. They say in the north, we're more friendly. In the south, they say they don't talk to you as much. They get on the tube and everyone's lost in their techno technological world or their paper. In the north, we're more friendly. Well, if that's the case, let's show it. Let's show it. Let's reach out and speak to other people. So listen to what he says here. Daniel was heavenly focused. Daniel's focus was on heaven. Why? Because the king had a need. The king had a dream. And this dream was, was turning him inside out. He didn't know what it meant. And he was frustrated. And he was now putting pressure downwards on his staff. And on his subjects. So this, this thing was tormenting him. There are things out there driving people insane. So the king has to find access to someone who can reveal what heaven is sending. Amen? So, Daniel steps in. And Daniel sees that the king has need. So Daniel starts, first of all, Daniel realizes the way to the king, the way to society, first and foremost, the first step I need to take is I need to connect to heaven and start praying. That's your first step. Get into prayer. That's your first step because you want the ear of heaven. I said you want the ear of heaven. So when the ear of heaven is caught hold of, you become sensitive to the needs around you. And it's all about bringing a sensitivity back to, to the soldier, to the saint. 
And then the saint, because he's become sensitive and consciously aware that there are needs around him, he then begins to move from the saint into the servant. What can I do to help? See, he takes a hold of you and it moves you forward. And you move from just being that Christian, sat in church listening to whoever you listen to, now to, I can actually get involved. Wow, might be a small level, might be a significant level. Could be an overwhelming level. So you first get in now because your heart's moving towards servanthood. And then you may, have to, you may suffer some opposition. And you may have to hold your ground at that point. Now you're learning the fundamentals of soldiering. You know, we often say to people, soldier on. Soldier on, that's where character's built. Determination's built. Tenacity. All those words. They're not words. Now they've got to manifest in our lives. So now hold my ground. I didn't realize serving came up with so much opposition. At times, yes. And then... I can then realize that as I'm praying, God gives me more and more and more insight and understanding. He shows me how to pray. He shows me who to pray. He shows me where to pray, what to pray for. And prayer becomes the first step of you getting back into those boots. And you see, now if you don't fasten your laces, you'll drag your feet around. And have you noticed the kids don't like fastening laces no more? It's now a cultural thing to not walk with your laces fastened. But then, if you're, you trip up, or what they do, they shove them inside. And I found myself doing it. I'm now trending. In our house, I'm trending. I'm number one. Carol says, pick your feet up. I'll go, well, yeah, yeah. How come your laces are not fastened? So you can't really seriously walk fast or run with your laces unfastened. Untied, I should say. So you have to bend down, show some effort, tighten them up, get back up again. Oh, that's a lot of work when you're my age. Because the older you get, getting down is easy. Getting back up, that could take some time. True? So the idea is get slip-ons. So the first thing Daniel sees is that the king has need, I need to pray about this. So the next thing he says, you've made known to me. You've made known to me. Now watch this. You've made known to me. That's, thank God, God is speaking to me. He's acknowledging that God speaks to him because now he wants to do something about another person's dilemma. He's actually saying in his first, I thank God that you speak to me. Thank God that you've made known to me what's wrong with that crazy king. Thank God you've given me some insight into this king. Because not only did this information please the king, it saved a lot of people's lives. And that's it. What you can pull down from heaven can save a lot of people's lives. It's not just about that one person. It can be so many people's lives can be affected. By one person reaching me with the gospel, you're all being affected. It's true. By you bumping into Mr. Wright that on that summer's day, you spawned a family. And a whole family and lineage has now been created just because you met Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright on that day, summer's day. People meeting people is significant. 
It's very significant. Our families would not be the families they are if we hadn't met our partner. And you say, well, I've known her from an early age. Yeah, but one day someone had to birth you two and send you to the same school or send you to the same place. It wasn't just by coincidence. It's divine. God connects it. He chooses the times and the places. He chooses everything. And then he lets you think sometimes that you're in on it. But God's divine. Amen? How does an Englishman meet a Scotswoman? Quite easy. One day, the father-in-law gets this, this desire. There's no work in Scotland. Let's get down to England. But let's not just go anywhere in England. Let's go to Manchester. And he starts his family. And then the family end up going to a school. And then, you know, the rest is just history. You meet Mrs. Wright, and that's it. And now we're here. And now son of Mrs. Wright is over there. And that's... <laughs> he's like that. You're son of Mrs. Wright. And that's how it works. So I thank God that God, he's saying, I thank God that God actually answers me in prayer. When I'm talking to God, God actually dialogues back to me about how to change the environment. Amen. Amen. He said, you've made known to me, which is a personal acknowledgement of what Daniel discovered in his heart. The next, he said, you've made known to me what we asked of you. So now there's others also joining in with him. And here we are in a house. It starts with you, but then there's we. There's a we. Now, if Chris is praying it, Cass praying it, and I'm praying it, now there's a we. True? So it's gone from me, to now there's a we. So others now have caught the same dimension that Daniel's got. So it's not just one man. It has to transfer from one, from the you to we. And then let's read the rest of this verse. He says, now they're all on the same page. We're praying the same thing. And you have made known to us. So it's gone from me to we to now us. So now the troops are now beginning to be mobilized back into their boots. Three people, sorry, four people are now involved in praying for the king, for God to speak to the king and bring an answer to the king's dream. And now he uses these boys to touch heaven, to release, cause heaven to be released so that they can have the answer for this crazy king. Yes? And it started because they took the first step into prayer. The first step was into prayer. And it went from me to we to us. And that's the challenge to get the troops back into their boots. It has to go from one place to the next to the next, and it builds momentum up. And that's when the, the stone that drops on the water begins to build the ripples. Now it's gone through four people's lives. Amen? So last scripture. Let me turn to this scripture. With this in mind, with this in mind, he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture and he, and, uh, he, told, he tells them things through the scripture. I'm using scripture and trusting the Holy Spirit to open your mind to show you what's in the heart of God. Can you see this? Jesus did the same thing. He spoke, and as he spoke, then he turned them to Scripture. 
And as he turned them to scripture, he fed them the word. The word that was, that was able to cross into their hearts, open their eyes and set their hearts ablaze. So it's, I'm only doing the same thing. I'm turning you to scripture now. So 1 Timothy chapter 2. One Timothy chapter two, and he starts off with this word. Well, he doesn't start because we're in, in the flow. He says, "I urge." I urge. Does it say in your Bible? I urge. Do you know what the word urge means? The word to urge it means to put emphasis, weight behind. It means to to be earnestly. To be earnest, to be persistently, to persuade, to carry a strong emphasis and a strong inner impulse on what you're about to say. Can you see this? So I urge you, I urge you to what? Well, I'm going to put specific emphasis. I'm going to be tenacious. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to try and open your eyes. I'm going to try and persuade you because he wants movement from what he's about to say. He wants a specific people to take a specific action through a specific instruction. What's the instruction? I urge you then first of all, first of all. So the first action is this, that, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Let's just stop there in a minute. What does everyone mean? Everyone. Everyone's included. Everyone's included. And then he goes on a little bit more. For kings and those in authority, that we may live a peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and in holiness. This is good and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved. Here we go. He wants all men to be saved. Who wants all men to be saved. Saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God's desire. I think it's Peter that says, find out what pleases the Lord. Well, here's one scripture that gives you an insight to what pleases the Lord. Prayer. Prayer. Why? Because he wants all men. All men. Everyone. To be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. Let's not finish just wants all men to be saved. He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That verse is incomplete if you don't carry it on till the end. It's not just getting saved, but it's come to the knowledge. In other words, they leave one position and come to another position. It's a whole transition. Many of us get saved, but have not yet come to the full knowledge of the truth. So we won't put our boots back on because we're happy we're saved, but we still haven't come to the knowledge of the truth. And then he says this, pray, uh, that this is good, it pleases the Lord who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. That's the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony that's given in its proper time. There is a testimony yet from this house that has not yet emerged and it needs its proper time. Can you see that? There is a testimony waiting to be birthed from you, John, from you, Kath, that we did what we, we took this word, we began to pray. 
we began, just as scripture instructed us, we stepped in. We, st- we stood up, we stepped in. And we stood upon and we stayed in until the testimony at its right time is given. Now we're not at the time yet, but we are moving towards that time. We heard this morning the fire of God. He's moving on men's hearts. That's good because the saints of God are getting back into their boots. Because as the saints of God begin to get back into their boots and take on this instruction, the fire of God can go before us. And you become a flaming arrow. See, before it happens, I announce it to you, the Bible says. So he says, request prayers and intercession and thanksgiving made for everyone. So the instruction last week for us as a house was to rise and do prayer walking. When do we do it? The moment the word came. You don't need a... The official launch date was last week. We've launched. So hopefully... You'll get your families, you'll, whether you're going to work on your own, or you go to work on your own, but if you're going to work, start praying there. Use the, you find the time, the space, but proactively. If you've got children, walk with your children. If you've got a dog, get your dog out. Don't teach your dog how to pray. The dog will just walk with you. Begin to pray. And I showed you how to do that last week. The dog's quite happy. The dog will say, oh, is it prayer time yet? If you've got, if, if you're, if you're a grandparent and you got, and you're, you're looking after your children, take, you take the kids for a walk. It's exercise as well as spiritual exercise. And it says, first of all, so when you're walking in your community, God is trying to give us. The, what's the point of walking, prayer walking? God is trying to give you a sensitivity that you've not had. God is trying to give you a conscience about His world. And not only have a conscience, but a sensitivity that goes alongside that conscience so that you can prayer walk where you live. And you can begin to have uh, an inroad into your community because God wants to show you how he works and how he's going to work through you. Amen? Amen. Just by you getting up and prayer walk. How long do I need to walk for? As much as you've got energy. How long do we need to pray for? As long as you can stay focused. Let's not make this religious. Don't stand on the corner with a plaque. You're all going to... No, 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 no. Don't close your eyes when you're crossing the road. Be practical. Be wise. You've seen these guys with the, with the phones. Right? And these kids just walking down the road and they're talking. And you think they're talking to themselves. They're crazy, this lot. And then you realise they're on the phone. Right, well... Look crazy with the rest of them. You can walk. Just don't be, don't walking down the street like this. You don't need to do that. Keep your eyes open. Look where you're going. Pray intelligently. Intelligently. Don't be binding the devil on the corner. Don't be binding the devil. You don't need to do that. We'll do that another place. We're talking about. Just praying sensitively. God, show me what it is about this community. Lord, if I'm about to step in, show me the needs of my community. Have you noticed I've just said, don't walk, let's not all walk around Drawsden. God's bigger than Drawsden. If God can bring you from Zambia, to come to Drawsden. From Drawsden, you can go out. 
You don't have to live in Jordan. This is not a postcode thing. <laughs> this is not a postcode prayer. You can pray in your postcode. You can cross, bo- you can cross postcodes. How's that? Whoa, now you're international. You can cross postcodes. You, wherever you are, wherever you put your foot, begin to pray. Show me people. Show me people, Lord. So, request for prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving made for everyone. For kings, let's pray for our government. Man, let's pray for our royal family. So, we pray for those in authority. Do you believe our queen needs saving? Do you believe Charles needs saving? They all need saving. Now, they may have a faith I don't know, but I'm just going to keep praying. God save them. And if they do know God, make it known to them even more. Don't be judged. Pray for our government. Does our government need prayer? Absolutely. Pray. Now listen, we don't need, watch this. It's going to, I'm going to be stand on your religious toes now. Don't be praying for Britain to become a Christian nation. Ooh. Let me tell you why. Christians have run nations before and did a bad job. What you should be praying for is God, let this nation have righteous leaders. Righteous leaders is what this nation needs. Why? Because the Bible tells us righteousness exalts a nation. So I don't know what you think when you think, God, we need Christians because there's so many different kinds of Christians. I don't know what your version of Christian is. But if you pray for a righteous leader, that's what this nation needs more than anything else. God, pray, pray corruption out of the nation and pray righteousness in it. And when you've got righteous leaders, you'll be surprised how the nation begins to change. Now, we also, of course, we want people to be saved. But that's not our reason for praying. We pray for righteousness first and foremost. Scripture tells us righteousness exalts a nation. Truth, justice, and righteousness. Those things. So he says, pray for governments and their officials. Pray for all governments and officials. Because you know you could be sat next to one of them. On a bus, on a train. You could be at a football match. You could be anywhere. You, you know the people just like you. Yeah? What do you pray? That they may live a peaceful life. So when you're walking through streets, I begin to, as I'm praying down the streets, I start praying for every home in that street. I pray for marriages to come to, to the fullness of health. I pray for fathers who, are not, who, have, who have left their homes, fathers to come back. Fathers to come back and show the model of how to raise a family. I pray for, for families who have got three and four different uh, children to four different fathers. Our nation needs fathers. It needs modelled marriages. It needs wholesome relationships. And I began to pray. I just say, Lord, I don't know what's going on behind number 28. But Lord, I just speak peace over that household. I speak for everything that the enemy is trying to destroy. I restore it. I don't know what's going on, but I feel led. And I'm just walking. I don't go up to the door and pray right outside the door. <laughs> don't look weird. Don't look weird. You say to the dog, this is a good place to have a pee break. As the dog's peeing. Oh, you haven't got a dog? Don't you dare have a pee outside the house. <clears throat> don't look weird. Look sensible. Just walk down the street and pray. 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 And, and if you want to walk to the end of the street and walk back again, walk up and it's up to you. I've walked all over the, the place. And I didn't look weird. Well, at least I didn't think it did. <laughs> I pray that they may lead a quiet life in godliness. 
and in holiness. Start praying for the, 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 the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Start praying for the Holy Spirit, this conviction. I pray, Father, this street, that this street will come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what's going on in this street, Lord. I don't know in the past. I don't need to, but I just speak that in Jesus' name. I'm now beginning to get sensitive about what's going on in that area. You may feel a particular leaning towards something in particular. It may be corruption. It may be divorce. It may be... um, Children may come into your heart. As you walk into an area, you may feel that very strong. That's the Holy Spirit leaning you towards a specific area of, how to, of what to pray. Yeah? And that's, this is now being led by the Spirit. And as you walk into an area, you may find that it becomes very difficult for you to keep your focus. And as you walk into it and your mind's going all over the place, that is an area of spiritual activity. He doesn't want you to focus. So you have to be very mindful. This area is confusing my mind. I walk into some areas and I just can't keep a sane thought. And I think, and then I have to tell myself, aha, I know the games of the enemy. I know how he plays. So what you do is you stop yourself and you think, right, we will arrest this. Amen? Lastly, the testimony will be given in its proper time. The testimony will be given in its proper time. Let's stand to our feet. There is a testimony ready to be given in its proper time. Get ready to pray. Get ready to go and pray. Get your family. Get your mind in gear. See yourself putting your boots on. Fastening those boots. Church, I need... Everyone to be mobilized. Everyone can pray. Everyone, everyone can walk for five minutes, ten minutes. If you've got more in the tank, then do it. But everyone should be praying. I urge and encourage and hopefully inspire everyone to go and pray and keep praying. I don't have to keep telling you, are you praying, are you praying, are you praying? But I will keep talking to you about it because I believe this is the action needed for this day. There is a testimony in its proper time ready to come forth. And some will get an early will get an early breakthrough. Others, it doesn't matter. Just pray. And this was the commission all year. Get the church praying before it engages. Can this church become a praying church? God needs you sensitive. God needs you consciously awake. Young people, you walk everywhere. You can do it also. Everyone must be involved at some level. Everyone. You know, our streets will be a lot better. Crime and art is such a big issue that no government's really tackling. I really want us to get hold of this crime and order. It's, it's, it's running riot. We don't want stabbings on our street. We don't want drugs on our street. We don't want violence on our street. So therefore, how's it going to happen? You and I are going to pray. We're going to address the spiritual climate over our homes. Amen? We're going to do it together. We're going to do it individually. We're going to do it collectively. We'll do it corporately. So if you raise your hands, if if you will, I want to pray a blessing over you as I dismiss the congregation this morning. Father, you've given me these words to inspire. Just as you spoke to your disciples 
They talk with you, they dialogue with you, and then you fed them from your word. You turned them to the scripture. Lord, you opened their eyes and their hearts began to burn within them. You fed them the word and the word entered in. And at that level, Father, things begin to change. I pray, oh God, that this morning there will be an entering in. There will be an entering in into the saints. Oh my God, we're asking for a mighty move of God upon and over the people of God. I pray, oh God, that you'll take us from saints and you'll move us towards servanthood. And from servanthood, you'll move us into soldiering. And Father, to the point where we become mature sons and daughters in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for everyone wrestling with these thoughts. I pray for the peace of God to rest over your, mind, your heart and your mind right now. I pray if you're struggling at some part some aspect of trying to understand what's being asked of you. I pray the Holy Spirit will make it clear to you. It's just pray. Pray, pray, pray. And I pray that as you pray, God Almighty will open your eyes. And God will use you to bring all men to the knowledge of the truth. Through your prayer, through your dialogue, through your engaging of others I ask in Jesus' name, Father, Lord, bless this congregation. Use this congregation for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And the people of God said, amen. amen.